0: This is 680 CJOB. Hey everybody, welcome to The Main Ingredient. Kevin Bergen here.
1: Krista Hall here. Krista. Kevin.
0: This is, I almost feel embarrassed to say where we are still.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but what a beautiful day to be this back in the exchange. This
0: is gorgeous out We're not going to get another day like this,
1: 100%. Maybe not.
0: No, no. not maybe, we're not. So we're going to soak this up. We are at Amsterdam Tea Room.
1: And bar. Again,
0: and bar again, right? We were here two years ago. Almost, yep. Almost, talking to Mark when it kind of first opened.
1: Shortly after, I think. Shortly
0: after. Um, And now we're here again, and we're talking with Chef Aaron Epp. And I didn't mess your name up because it's so simple. You did not mess (laughs) my name up. I love you, man. (laughs) I love your parents for naming you what they did. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, good. Great. You know, you were like um, snuffleupagus to me. You know, I see you on social media. I've <laughs> known where you've worked. I follow, I follow you on Instagram. And uh, now we finally get to sit down and uh, harness and, and talk to you and see what you're about.
2: Long time coming,
0: apparently. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Long time coming. A lot of chefs know you. You're, you're well known around Winnipeg. Ooh, look. The, Krista, they're coming for you, man. I don't know what you did. But
1: <laughs> we are sitting outside on the patio, so we might have a little bit of uh, different background noise. Yeah, it's great. I love it.
0: Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. You know, sure. first, let's talk about you how you got into the culinary industry oh wow the culinary industry I think I guess my uh
2: that's goes back a ways we can even talk about how food was first made an impact on your life well I mean though that goes back even farther um I am a Mennonite kid born and raised and so if you know anything about Mennonite culture food plays like a very central role in like family life, in, like, gatherings, in life in general, at least for, like, the small-town Mennonite kid that I am. Um, so my earliest memories are all, like, centered around food, you know, like sitting on a stool in the kitchen peeling carrots into uh, the compost pail for my mom before dinner, or, like, licking the egg beaters or the, like, when she's making cookies and stuff, so, like, even, like, making pie filling with my grandma, you know, at, like, Thanksgiving, you know, like, it's something that just goes back, like, to my early, early childhood. But as far as, like, culinary, like, in the restaurant industry, I got my first job in a kitchen when I was 15 um, because I had just purchased my first car and I was promised a delivery job if I took a dishwashing
0: position. Oh, can I? There's incentive. (laughs) It's funny that you said you're uh, uh, a Mennonite kid. You look like you would have been a skateboarding city kid
2: yeah yeah that what that is what i look like now i'm sure like it's uh i mean yeah i'm definitely uh after my teen years i hit the punk rock scene pretty hard and so like that's where i found my like what i call myself now is a meno knot <laughs> um you know not necessarily a practicing mennonite but uh you know like i do have my core group of friends that all kind of like came up in the uh in the Mennonite world with me and we've all kind of just branched out onto our own and we do our own thing and it is what it is but uh yeah so first restaurant job at 15. And, and was that
1: in the city or is that no the-
2: I'm a Saskatchewan boy so okay. I grew up or like in my teen years in Estevan Saskatchewan. Oh. You're not a rough writer, oh. right? Well I guess I have to be you know. Oh, it's-, it's turn it off this, <laughs> <laughs> this is over. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so I mean, it was Estevan, Saskatchewan, at, a, like, at the local bowling alley, Estevan Bowl Pizza. And uh, all I wanted to do was drive my car that I had just purchased. So, what do I got to
0: deliver? What yeah, I got to deliver? It, I'll deliver anyway.
2: And <laughs> found out shortly after starting that job that I was uh, more suited to working in the kitchen than uh, doing the deliveries and driving. And I liked it more. Uh, And so within a couple of weeks, I was moved out of the dish pit and off of delivery Mm -hmm. onto the salad line. And then from salad, I moved over to the grill station. And from the grill station, I moved over to the pizza station. Are these things you asked for?
0: No. they realized you realized you were just just rocking whatever you were doing?
2: I was always ahead of the game. Right. So they just like, and asking for stuff to do. So, you know, they asked me to like make a salad. And then all of a sudden I'm taking over the station because they found that they could do other things. Right. And actually doing it right. Yeah. Yeah, and so I just slowly moved my way up and then next thing I you know, I was working grill and uh, still only 16 years old. And, that's and enjoying pre- it. And enjoying it, yeah. yeah. And that's where I figured out that it was like fun. And from there, it was, it was really at first, it was just a fun job to have right. that like paid the bills. And then, uh, yeah, moved onwards and upwards from there. Various restaurants in small town Saskatchewan and then... I came to Winnipeg to go to Bible school of all things. Wow! And uh, soon realized that it was more fun to uh, drink beer in the forest behind the campus than it was <laughs> to go to class. Nah,
0: come on, really?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, then uh, moved into a house with a bunch of bunch of guys and had to find a job again. And the first natural fit was in the restaurants, which is what I knew. Right. And so again, I got a dishwashing job at a Japanese restaurant, and then the next thing you know, I was appre- apprenticing under a sushi chef. Awesome. And uh, onwards and upwards from there, I just didn't look back. I was like, that's when I knew. I was like, this is this is for me.
0: Oh, one hundred percent.
2: Yeah, you know, like it was this strict, regimented world. I think that like, okay, this isn't just a casual, fun thing. This is like, this is serious. There's like cool <laughs> going on. <laughs>
1: Like, that might be bleeped out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, I love it. <laughs> you know, like, it, is, it, was, it, was, it was really eye opening, you know, like, being that, like, conservative Mennonite kid, I didn't, I, you know, I hadn't experienced food like sushi before. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents were like, you know, like meat and potatoes, farmer sausage and pierogies. Hey, and now, you're, now like, you're handling raw food. Yeah, and now I'm handling raw food. And you're I'm eat like, it. You're like, I'm you're seeing eat like, it. You look that way? whole sides of tuna come in and like seeing them being broken down and like rice isn't just uncle ben's out of a box it's like something that you wash and you care for and you like put pride into you know like it it was so eye-opening that like it really it honestly changed my life that's awesome and so like that chef who had the like stereotypical classic japanese training just imbued everything into me and I just tried to be a sponge and soak it all up and like it just like I said it changed my life like how long did you work there three years yeah yeah and like it was enough I mean it was Mushiro on Portage oh okay, Bef- yeah. it was before they went all you can eat right and they were willing they wanted to spend money and make it a, like classy Japanese restaurant so they like brought in a classically trained chef from Korea um Direct import, like he'd never been to Canada before, and all of the previous staff that he'd had apprenticing under him or like assisting him had their own like ideas of what sushi should be, and so he couldn't work with them. He was like firing assistant after assistant, and right, then where, me where just is your
0: blank slate. Yeah, me yeah. just yeah, blah, blah. some
2: white kid that never says no. <laughs> you know, like I'll do whatever you tell me. Right. And so, like it really like honed my knife skills and like taught me skills that I wouldn't have ever learned anywhere else.
1: So uh, we're going to get into your style of cooking and the menu and what, what you have uh, going on here at Amsterdam. But do you, would you say that you have uh, the the Japanese influence in, in your cooking still?
2: Um, I mean, yes and no. More so like the attitude and...
0: Like the work ethic.
2: The work ethic and how you treat the food that you're serving, you know, using every part, like as part of sushi, is using every part of that fish that you get for whatever it is, whether it's like sashimi or you're just scraping the bones off of like the flesh off of the bone for like spicy rolls or something like that, or just like grilling that head up so that you can pick the meat off of the cheeks and eat the eyeballs, you know, like it's... <laughs> Um, like that, like the passion for it is, uh, still there, but more so I, what I'd like to say is like, I'm comfort food elevated now is what my passion is.
1: Okay.
0: We got a lot to talk about. can pick this guy's brain forever. So we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back. The more we're here at Amsterdam Tea Room and Bar, we're with Chef Aaron Epp, here on The Main Ingredient.
1: On 680 CJOB.
0: Welcome back to The Main Ingredient. We are still in The Exchange. Me and Krista. Krista, how are you?
1: I'm, well, hey, I'm sitting outside on a beautiful, beautiful sunny day. It's gorgeous. We're sitting on a patio. Yeah, it's nice. I can, it's Things nice. Are, can't get better, really.
0: We're with Chef Aaron Epp. The uh, last segment we were talking about his evolution to becoming a chef. We ended last segment with, with uh, talking about you and uh, you're working in Japanese restaurants and the work ethic that it actually influences you, still influences you today. So after that, mm-hmm. what restaurant did you make your way to? You, you'd realize at that point that the restaurant industry, the culinary industry is what you wanted to do. Yeah. No more Bible yep. college. No
2: more Bible college.
0: Bible college is out the window. Like, not beer, like, is <laughs> beer is <laughs> in. Beer is <laughs> <laughs> in. To the, the disappointment is of my parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to skip Bible class today and I'm going to go to a beer bash. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so after that ended, you decided, okay, so what was your next step to actually, you know, honing your craft?
2: Um, well, my next step, and it was, like, another, like, really, like, influential move for me was, um, well, actually, that was when I uh, I took a leave of absence from work to get married. And when I had come back, unbeknownst to myself, the ownership of the restaurant had changed. And How long did you leave? I was gone for four months. Oh wow, okay. So it was travel, my wife is from Southern Ontario and we did our honeymoon and all that sort of stuff as well. So um, there was some travel involved. And uh, yeah, so the ownership had changed. And when I came back, they no longer had a position for me. So I was forced to kind of reestablish where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do.
0: That sucks, man. Um, Yeah, really bad, right? You want to make some bread now after the honeymoon and you got no job.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that just left me looking for work. And I ended up at uh, a place that no longer exists called Lux Soleil.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember. Yeah. yeah.
2: Down on South Osborne. Yeah, there. man. And uh, at the time, Chef Ben Kramer was there, um, quote unquote, just helping out. Yeah. Ben always quote unquote helps out. Yeah. He's got his hands yeah. on everything. So he wasn't like at the time officially leading or running the place or officially via the chef which changed shortly thereafter, um, and so I came in and moved into the role of sous chef under Ben there, and uh, that was like uh, a huge move for me, because now Ben is one of my closest friends, but I went on to almost a decade uh, working together at various restaurants, so from from Lux Olay, you know, it was so long ago, I can't even really remember how many years I was there, but it was a, a couple of years at Lux with Ben, and then um, he was given the opportunity to open uh, an exclusively organic restaurant um, at uh, Confusion Corner called uh, the Dandelion Eatery. And so I left the uh, Luxe and went as his sous chef there. And uh, we uh, ran that place for, I think it was four years. And then when unfortunately the Dandelion folded its door or closed its doors, Ben was already in the process of another project at the University of Winnipeg, which has become Diversity Food Services and what it is now. So we ran all the food programs on the U of W W campus. And uh, then uh, partway through that time there, we uh, decided to open a full serve restaurant on campus, which is now what Elements the restaurant is. So I was chef de cuisine. I ran and started Elements. And, uh, yeah, then from there, I was, uh, you know, as it was, like, Restless Chef, I, like, was given the opportunity, uh, a friend at the time, uh, Nicole Berry, decided to open Peg Beer Co., and uh, she asked me to run the kitchen there, so.
0: That's actually where I first saw you. I was yeah. in there eating one time, and I saw it, because you were, like, right at the front. The kitchen was yeah. right up close. So yeah. I remember, uh, that's the first place I saw
2: you. Yeah, so Peg Beer Co. was, was great. Um, it was a really like awesome experience you know working in a brewery beer being made and given carte blanche for the first time to do whatever I wanted Um, just making comfort food to go along with beer was what my goal was Um, the ownership Nicole wanted uh, to have pizza involved somehow she had bought a massive electric pizza oven and an amazing dough mixer. So
1: so all your days in Estevan with the pizza cooking.
2: Yeah, that's where <laughs> it all like, ended up. <laughs> in a brewery. In, in a brewery, brewery
1: making pizzas. King awesome. of your bash pizza. now
2: makes pizza in a brewery. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I've always, since I was young, like with my mom baking bread and buns and stuff, that was one of my goals there was to do all of my baking in-house. So um, we were baking like different flavored loaves every day, you know, and like fresh bread. And the goal was to get into charcuterie and things like that, but never got that far. But we uh, focused on large plates and sharing instead of the opposite of what like most restaurants were doing at the time with the small tapas style. (laughs) Pausing for motorcycles. I I went the opposite direction of like large sharing plates so like whole roasted chickens and like house made corned beef and locally cured hams and things like that. So you know like my heritage is that there's always community built around food and that's where the best conversations happen you know when you throw a house party that's why everybody always ends up in the kitchen is because that's where the food's coming from so. I wanted to bring that kind of community to the menu there where like instead of everybody sitting around small plates and getting a couple of bites of food, you'd share a major large entree and like almost family style, you know,
0: like, so that's where my thoughts were there. So it's almost like you created your own way, like your own schooling when it came to culinary, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like you had a lot of guys, especially Ben, the guy, the guy knows a ton about, everything so he's a good guy to work under to actually learn things properly right yeah for sure he was
2: a great teacher he taught me a lot you know like words can't even like describe how much that man taught right
0: he's willing to share it it's kind of strange how
2: he's just willing to share
0: everything with anybody who wants to listen right yeah
2: you know and like that actually like affected like my ethics as a whole you know like ask me what any of my recipes are like i i'm not so tight-fisted i'll share I don't care. right? You know, I have no ego around what I do. All I want is the people eating my food to be happy. And, you know, if it's something that makes you so happy, you want to know how I made it, by all means, I'll tell you. I mean, good luck making it. <laughs>
1: It's a lot easier you just know, showing like, up and being served it. it's, so. it's much
2: easier to tell you what's in it than to actually execute it. You
1: right,
0: know, Like, so sure. It's such a different concept, though, compared to yeah. what, you know, how chefs used to be. Like, it's yeah. very, very tight-lipped. Everything's close to the chest. Nobody's t- telling you anything. You, you know what?
2: what I mean? the, that's the industry in this city as a whole, though. It, like, when I started, uh, like, 20 years ago in Winnipeg Cooking, it was much, there was a lot more animosity and, like, competition between chefs and restaurants and kitchens i don't see that anymore you know like it's way more of a like a unified community now like it's like i could if i needed something i could like throw a text out to like a group of people or put something on social media and i know i would have an answer and help is
0: like almost as soon as I posted the text, you know, right, like, even with pop ups, you see a lot of yeah. guys yeah, yeah. You're doing a pop up and all of a sudden you, yeah. Right. You, throw so it the push a
1: pro- you were with part of the push project, right? Yes. Right. Which had how many different chefs involved?
0: There was 12 or 14. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. So
1: that's great.
0: Like, yeah, 20 years ago, I think there's a little unheard of. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, like it, it really is a
2: community now, like that everybody just wants everyone else to succeed know like it's like truly for once truly yeah, yeah right. like honestly people do
1: and so, we see that in our in our tour of the exchange we've been seeing that not just with the chefs but the the entire restaurants how you guys have just really come together especially in covid yeah. to really try and work through things and
2: yeah, work, for sure. help like, each other nobody else wants to see another restaurant fail everybody knows how hard it is mm-hmm. you know like it's backbreaking and mind-breaking work that uh, you know, like if we
0: have if we have a way of helping each other, we will. So, oh, you just want bums and seats. Yeah. Um, okay, we're gonna take another break for news, weather, and sports, and we're gonna come back with Chef Aaron Epp at Amsterdam Tea Room and Bar here at 211 Benetton. Um And we're gonna talk about where you are now, which is the Amsterdam Tea Room and Bar. And we're gonna try a little food. We're gonna talk about your menu here. Okay, we're gonna do that next. You're on the main ingredient
1: on 680 CGLB.
0: everybody welcome back to the main ingredient after news weather and sports Krista Hall how are you
1: I'm doing well Kevin Bergen how are you
0: good nice to have you back you wandered off nice to have you back there buddy
1: (laughs) I came back because it smells so good
0: you didn't come back for me you came back for the food of course you're brutal (laughs) chef Aaron Epp is who we're talking to we are at the Amsterdam tea room and bar at 211 Bannantine Avenue and before we get into the food let's talk about how you ended up here what brought you here
2: um well I uh, know the owner, Mark. He was front of house manager at Peg Beer Co when it first started up. Was he? He was, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so, um, because we essentially opened that restaurant together, we had a bit of experience and uh, over the past year or so, um, pre-COVID, I had just been doing pop-ups and small intimate caterings on my own. and. I'm guessing he just assumed that because COVID happened, I wasn't doing anything. So I got a text out of the blue saying, hey, what are you up to right now? I'm looking for a chef. And uh, I was like, well, I'm actually not doing anything right now. You want to get Your together assumption for a conversation? <laughs> and so uh, we got together for a bit of a chat. One thing led to
0: another. And here I am. You guys remind me of the same type of guy. Again, you seem very laid back, but nothing's going to rattle you right he seems kind of the same way we have very very similar personalities yes we are very similar people <laughs> even even your voices sound the same it's a little bit scary <laughs> all right let's talk about the food you brought sure. out two lovely dishes which krista is you know already
1: fully drooling over right that. ready
0: to dive into right
2: on <laughs> okay so the first one that i have in front of me here is uh the pickled tuna um and the inspiration behind that for me was the fact that Pickled herring is a very popular thing in Holland, and uh, I personally don't really like herring, so I, I I wanted to continue that kind of vibe in the menu somewhere of a pickled fish dish, but because I don't like herring, I just kind of like I toyed around with ingredients I could use instead that I like better, and so going back to my like sushi background i was like well tuna is a perfect choice uh it's a nice dense meaty fish with lots of flavor so uh thus the the pickled tuna came about
0: and uh yeah right we spoke before it would be hard for you to actually prepare a dish that you didn't like the main ingredient right yeah totally nice the main ingredient look at that <laughs> right, have, have shameless you ever... self-promotion <laughs> <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do bro um <laughs> Have you ever been in a position where you had to do that before? Like, we're here you show up here, you have full control of making a new menu. Have you ever been somewhere where you're preparing a dish and it's a dish that you do not like, so you really don't truly know if it's good or not?
2: Um, I mean, not really, actually. I mean, like, saying, that, like, the, the, the pickled herring would be one thing. Like, that's just something that, like, I think I have early childhood trauma from my dad.
1: <laughs> like
2: <laughs> Yeah, or like him and his, like, oh, that stinks. Like, what are you eating? Some greasy piece of fish out of a jar. Like, why are you doing that? How about uh, sardines then, you know? Also, never really been a huge fan until I was an adult. Like, it was, really? like, you know, your childhood t- tastes change. Yeah. And now, as an adult, yeah, I like sardines. So oh, I throw that stuff. on a cracker and, oh, and a little <laughs> bit of <laughs> that's <laughs> onion.
0: That's like a, that's an after hockey snack. That's a bad
2: <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, I mean, Honestly, like, I've always had, maybe it's, I've just been blessed and lucky that, like, anything that I've been, like, asked to make in restaurants, I've always actually enjoyed, or, like, at least found myself enjoying after seeing how it was presented in that time, you know, so... Yeah, Um, Tuna was what I came to because I like it so much. And uh, I found that it, like, complemented the, like, pickle brine. And, uh, you know, I put my own flair and spin on it, obviously, because that's what chefs do. But uh, How, How has it been received so far? It's actually one of our more popular
0: dishes. Oh, nice.
2: Actually, that's the reason I brought both of these dishes out is because they're, like, two of our best sellers. The dumplings actually blew me away that it's one of our more popular dishes because... I put it on the menu because I needed something vegan and you're going to talk and we're going to eat yeah go right so, ahead so you, you can talk as long as you want <laughs> so I was I was surprised that the the hotspot dumplings were so popular because it's a vegan dish I'm always I always expect that the vegan things won't sell as well but it's just gone over like gangbusters so it's uh, similar to gnocchi um, which is why I think people find it familiar um, so like a uh, potato dumpling with carrots and onions mixed in, and then it's got a cashew cream sauce instead of uh, instead of a dairy-based cream sauce. Which again, I thought would be challenging for some people,
0: but no, it's uh, it's uh, getting really well received. So. Well, I love it, and I'm a meat eater. Funny thing is, about when it comes to vegan stuff, is if you don't tell people, if you just put it down. You don't tell them it's vegan. No. You don't tell them there's no meat in there. Just try it and judge it as it is. Then they'll just continue eating it right yeah so we don't like openly advertise it
2: as a vegan dish but when vegan folks come into the restaurant right, they and they say do you have anything vegan well we, actually we do and it's mm-hmm. right. Those quite popular
1: so are they oh that's good and yeah, so again was, uh,
2: being vegan like i've always found making gnocchi a little bit of a challenge if you weren't adding the the butter and the egg and so this is a dumpling with no butter and no egg
1: wow
0: so you,
2: so you like it, I'm sensing.
1: Mm. <laughs> I really like it. And sorry, what is the, the it's, it's on a bed of?
2: Uh, it's uh, sautéed kale with uh, our house-made sauerkraut, onions, garlic, a little bit of white wine, salt and pepper. And then it's dressed with a little bit of uh, chili oil to finish.
1: Mm.
2: What's so- with the chips on the side? So the chips on the side, I'm thinking, so this dish, as much as it was the pickled tuna and, or the pickled herring that was inspiration, I was more thinking of like a crudo or a ceviche and I wanted something salty and crunchy to eat with my tuna. So it's a house made potato chip with uh, a, a charcoal based like seasoning. So it's kind of got a smoky and uh, if, you, if you remember the old Dutch smoky barbecue chips, that's what I was going for with these.
0: Oh. You, you made the chips? Yeah, made the chips. Manitoba lamb sausage. Yes. What's that about? Um
2: well again when you're exploring when I was exploring different proteins I could use uh on the menu dumplings I dumplings rock by the way thank you um I uh I wanted to include lamb just because I love lamb so much and uh again Dutch cuisine is very like meat and potatoes heavy and so lamb was again like a relatively popular dish that you wouldn't think that was popular in Holland. And so I wanted to bring it out and why not sausage? So, I mean.
1: This tuna is so good.
2: It is, it's it's dumb how good it
1: is. What is the spicy on top there? Okay,
2: right? so it's a, a chili relish similar to like an Italian antipasto relish. So it's uh, chilies, eggplant mushroom, uh, like canola oil, garlic, and a little bit of red wine vinegar.
1: And so how often do you change the menu?
2: Uh, well, I mean, it's been running since we reopened in the middle of July and now coming into fall with produce changing and things like that, I'll be actually going through a menu change very shortly here. So once.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. enough. (laughs) That's awesome. Tell us, remind everybody the address of this place maybe your social media handles the restaurant's social media handles how they contact you guys okay so uh the as far as the
2: restaurant we are amsterdam tea room look us up on instagram and facebook and uh we are 211 Banatine avenue and i myself am chef f at chef f on instagram and twitter
0: you're no longer at up, kissed me.
2: <laughs> right on. <laughs>
0: That's perfect. This is Kevin Bergen. We are at the Amsterdam Tea Room and Bar 211 Valentine. I'm with Bristol Hall. This is the main ingredient.
1: On 680 CGLP. This is 680 CJOB.